Open up your Bibles this morning to Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40 is a passage that you might not know the address to it, but when you read it, you're going to go, oh yeah, I like that one. It's a good one. It is a good one. And, and the part that caught my attention that wanted to make me want to focus on it today is really the last verse. And that's the verse you'll go, oh yeah, yeah, I do know that verse. Let me, let me just read that verse, but then we're going to do the whole passage, and it's a long one, but we're going to do it together, okay? It's, it's verse 31 out of chapter 40. And it says, Yet those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not go tired. They will walk and not become weary. That's just one of the many verses in this passage that really stand out and people will know. But let's start in verse 1. I'm going to read it. I'm reading from the New American Standard. And just follow along and we'll all end in the same place regardless of what version we're reading from today, okay? Verse, chapter 40, verse 1. Comfort, O comfort, my people, says God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem and call out to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity has been removed, that she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice is calling, clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up. Let every mountain and hill be made low. Let every round ground become a plain and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh will see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice call, says, call out. And then he, then he answered, what shall I call out? All flesh is grass and all its loveliness is like a flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. And when the breath of the Lord blows upon it, surely the people are grass and the grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of the Lord, our God, stands forever. Get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion, bearer of good news. Lift up your voice mightily, O Jerusalem, bearer of good news. Lift it up. Do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with might and with his arm ruling for him. Behold, his reward is with him, his recompense ever before him. Like the shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arms, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hands and marked off the heavens as a span and calculated the dust of the earth by measure and weighed the mountains in a balance and the hills in a pair of scales? Who has directed the spirit of the Lord or as, he has, or, or, or as his counselor has informed him? With whom did he consult when, and who gave him understanding and who taught him in the path of justice and taught him knowledge and informed him of the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop in the bucket from the bucket and, and regarded as a speck of dust on the scales. Behold, he lifts up the islands like fine dust. Even Lebanon is not enough to burn, nor its beast enough to burn for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are regarded by him as less than nothing and meaningless. To whom then will you liken God? And what likeness will you compare with him? For as, as for the idol, a craftsman casts it, and a goldsmith plates it with gold, and a silversmith fashions it, chains of silver, he who is too impoverished for such an offering selects a tree that does not rot. He seeks out for himself a skilled craftsman to prepare an idol that will not totter. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from beginning? 
Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits down above the vault of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretch out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He it is who reduces the rulers to nothing and makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Scarcely have they been planted, scarcely have they been sown, scarcely has their stock taken its root in the earth, but he merely blows on them and they wither, and the storm carries them away like stubble. To whom then will you liken me, that I should be his equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created those stars, the one that leads forth their host by number. He calls them all by name because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one of them is missing. And why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired? His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tire, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait on the Lord will gain you strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not grow weary. Let's pray. To whom would we liken to you, O Lord? Who is like you? Who has put the stars in the sky and knows every one of them by name? Who advised you? Who counseled you? There is none. There is none. There is none like you. This morning in this place, whether it be through song or testimony or through scripture, we have heard from you time and again, there is none like you. And in this moment, we pause. Our hearts yield before you. Our knees bend before you. And we proclaim you. You alone. You alone. There is none like you. And we are caught up in that this morning. There is none like you. All glory and power and honor come to you, Lord. And it is in your great name we pray. Amen. I love the opening line to that passage. Comfort, O comfort my people. There is such a gentleness to it, isn't there? In our church family alone, I have the great fortune to knowing many of our stories. And I know many of us, if not really all of us, need comfort. We need comfort from the sorrow of broken relationships. We need comfort from the relentless nagging of 
our broken bodies, undiagnosed disease, untreatable disease. We need comfort from the news of our world. We are people, and we need comfort, and God knows that about us. In the very first verse, there's two things we learn immediately. God knows that we need comfort, and God cares about that need and seeks to meet it. Comfort, oh comfort my people. And then in this chapter, he steps forward and he says, I know how you feel. I understand your needs and I am able to meet those needs. Matter of fact, he even says, I mean, if you were to jump, it's, verse 1 says, says, comfort, oh comfort my people. In verse 31, the anyone says, they will renew their strength. And everything in between, it's like bookends. This is your need. This is your answer. And everything in between is how you get from your need to the answer is what chapter 40 is. You have a need for comfort. And, and all the other, the, other, the other verses that follow it, coming right into verse 31, says, and this is the way that that comfort comes into your life. As a matter of fact, when that comfort has met your need, this is the end result. This is the end result. Those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength. What is the most common thing, the most common result, I guess, of the difficulties of life? Isn't it that they just wear you down? Isn't it just that Day in and day out, you wake hoping that this day is better than the last one or that today this doesn't happen or today you don't hear from that person or today you don't turn on the news or today that today will not be as heavy as the previous or that today will not be found that I am, I am mired down in the details of my life. And for some of us, that's not the case every single day, but for all of us, there are days like that. There are days like that. And God knows that. And in this passage, he is going to address that. In this passage, he says that you as my people do not have to live that way. Matter of fact, you as my people, I provided you an answer to that. One of my favorite uh, pastor scholars from my, uh, um, from my alma mater, Dallas Seminary, has had several insights in this passage, and I'm relying heavily on his insights today. And he is suggesting that the way that comfort comes to us is by focus by what we focus on, by what we put our eyes on. You know, I am a, a, uh, I am a farm boy, and, and, every, and even if you didn't live on the farm, you probably got on the tractor with one of your farm boy friends at one time or another. And the thing was, is, is there in the springtime right now, if everything was not under the water like it is at home, you're plowing a field and you're getting ready to p- p- put the seed in the field. And what you're doing is, and Doug, if I speak out of turn, don't embarrass me, okay? Just act like I know what I'm talking about, all right? Um, and what you're doing is you're going to drive that tractor across that field. And when you get to that end, you're going to turn around and drive it back this way. And let me just tell you something. That that's where you're going. And if you turn and look this way, what's going to happen is, is you're going to be going over this way. And you're going to turn and look. And you're going to, you're going to look at that road behind you. And that road behind you is coming up like this. And you're going to correct it. And it's going like that. And it's going to come like this. And before you're done, you don't have a straight line. You just got like a drunk driver looking kind of thing happening behind you, you know. 
Because your focus was not in front of you, your focus was behind you. And when your focus is out in front of you and you know what you're looking at, all of a sudden, everything else around you and what's behind you doesn't bog you down. It doesn't steer you aside. You're able to keep a straight line because the focus is there. And what Keith Lee is saying is our comfort is a reality in our lives when we have our right focus out in front of us. Verse 9 says this. I love this verse. I wish that we had like an opera to sing it. Just this one line that just says, Behold your God. And that is our focus. That's it. That's the focus. That's the key point. That's the most important thing of chapter 40. Is that if you're starting off in verse 1, you need comfort, and you want to be in chapter, and you want to be in verse 31, having been comforted, you find it in this one verse right here. You find it in verse 9, and it says, Behold your God. And that, that is the point of focus. That is where our eyes are set. Matter of fact, he even says about this, he says that focus, you know, what, if you want God's comfort, you then focus on who and what God is as your face, as you face the difficulty of life. Whatever it may bring, get your eyes on God and behold your God. What about focus? Biblical focus, it really what it does, it is three things for us. It corrects our beliefs and our sources of trust. A biblical focus means that when I'm looking at what the Bible has to say, when I'm beholding my God, what's happening is it's addressing all those beliefs and all those other things I'm trusting in. And, it, and it's showing them to be shallow. It's showing them to be false. It's showing them to just leave nothing but jagged, wavy lines behind me. A biblical focus, a focus on behold my God does that. When, I, when I'm beholding my God... It helps me to develop and maintain my faith because he's out in front of me. And as he's out in front of me, I'm like going, this just doesn't feel very good. This just doesn't seem like it's going to end very well. Where are we going here, Lord? I didn't sign up for this one. This is the wrong, I'm in the wrong tractor apparently because the other one would have been a lot better. Where are we going, Lord? And then he says, no, uh uh-uh. Behold your God. Behold your God. Keep your eyes right here. Keep your faith right here. Keep your eyes on me. Just look forward. And finally, cultivating a Christ-like character in attitudes and actions. When we behold him, and really what we're saying is we behold his word, because that's just it. Let's just stop right there real quick and just say, well, what are you saying? Because I don't get to see him. I don't wake up every morning and he's standing at the foot of my bed. That's just my cat. No, I don't see him every day. How do I behold my God? Well, what does John say? John says that no man has seen the Father except for the Son, and he reveals him. If you want to know God, look to Jesus. If you want to know God, look at Jesus, because he reveals God. And if you want to know Jesus, look to his word. In the beginning was the word. And the word was? And the word was? He was the Word. He is the Word. If you want to know Jesus, know His Word. Know His Word. Know His Word. Focus. It means to bring something into view. 
to make something clear. It, it literally means clarity. But it also means to devote oneself to a task, to an idea, to a person, or to whatever is in the field of focus. Whatever is in the field of focus. What are the things that are in your field of focus? Now, I'm not asking you to speak hypothetically. I'm calling you out today. What is in your field of focus when he's not it? Talk to me. What is in your field of focus when it's not Jesus? Talk to me. You want things to go right. Oh, baby. Fist bump. Oh, yeah. Because what I want, my field of focus, what I'm looking for is comfort. That's what I want. I want it to go well. I want it to go right. I don't want problems. I don't want hitches. I want comfort. What else? Myself. Yeah. Terry? My, my, your husband? She sees something in him I don't see. All right. What else? Worry? Oh, yeah, yeah. Robert? Yeah, a whole bunch of miscellaneous things that you get obsessed on, and when it turns out, they really don't amount to anything at all. Yeah, yeah. Those are the things last week that we read about, those futile things that were in that passage from last week, those meaningless things, those things that produce nothing. Yeah. What else? Anything else? Ah, yeah, I see it right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What we put our focus on. Money. What else? What? The kids. Oh, man. You don't put your focus on them. They put, their focus, they put your focus on them. Yeah. They demand it. You know? Right. Absolutely. Control. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Control is a huge one, isn't it? There should have been thunderous applause when she said that. Control being the focus. I want to control this. I, I mean, I can speak from experience on that, and some of you other parents probably can too. For uh, the past 54 years, I've primarily been in the driver's seat. A few months ago, when Grant got his permit, I moved to the other seat. And I can tell you right now, control is a big thing. <laughs> you want control back. Yeah, well, they don't put a brake pedal on my side. And so it's also increased my faith. That's right. Control is a big thing. And once you realize you don't have it anymore, you feel like you're in free fall. And you're like going, is there a safety net down there? Is this going to end well if I'm not in control? Yeah, control is a big one. It really is a big one. It's really interesting when we consider what our field of focus is. The point of focus is a place or, 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 of, of activity. It's an influence. It's importance. It's a point of origin which ideas and beliefs and, and influences and controls. There you go, Laura. Controls emerge. What our focus, what we focus on, all this stuff flows from. Beliefs, influences, ideas. What controls us, what compels us. And this passage says one thing. It echoes back to Hebrews 12 where it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. 
it, it, it reflects back to 2 Corinthians 4, and where in 2 Corinthians 4 is just a great passage. And it says there, Therefore do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an external glory that far outweighs them all. In verse 18, this is our point. So focus not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Focus on the eternal. This passage calls out a whole lot of stuff for us to focus on. And you know, want to know something? I think that when I'm wanting to know how to do God's word, I want a list of things I do. I want to know what I'm supposed to do. And everything in this passage that talks about learning to focus, everything in this passage that talks about having my need for comfort met and being given this new strength is nothing I do. It's relying on someone else who's done it already. That's why verse 31 in many of your passages does not say hope. It says wait. Does it not? It says wait. Wait. And even if it says hope, either way, what it's saying is this. It's nothing you're doing. If you want to be comforted, If you need comfort, verse 31 does not say, here are five things you need to do. The answer does not rely in in doing something else. It doesn't rely on being somewhere else. It relies on waiting, hoping on someone else. Waiting and hoping on someone else. Here's some aspects of our passage that we can pull out and say, these are the things we're waiting on. These are the things that we can be sure of. So, for instance, personal God who cares, we pick that up immediately in our passage. He cares. He cares, but we can see it throughout this passage. Matter of fact, I would even want to, I just want to send you, you don't have to, you don't have to go read this with me, but I got to just go to this passage. When we want to know when we, when we need to be reminded that God cares, go to Hosea 11. Let me just read it to you because I'm not reading the whole passage, but I'm just picking some stuff out. This is, this is the story of, of Hosea who was told to marry a hooker, who was told to marry a, a, a whore and, and, and make her your wife. This woman who will never be true to you, make her your wife and you be true to her. And in doing so, he's demonstrating that he is a true God, but Israel is like a harlot. Israel is constantly wanting to go around and sleep around. She'll never be true. And he goes, you still love her because I still love Israel. But that's just not a story about Israel. That's a story about Dylan. That's a story about Rob. That's a story about me. That as I go and play the harlot, as I go and be unfaithful, he still loves me. Listen to what he says to him. He says, when Israel was a youth, I loved him. I called him out. I taught him how to walk. I took him in my arms. I healed him. I became to them as one who lifts the yoke from them. I bent down and I fed them. And though they called out to one, though they called out to one who doesn't exist, I am the one. My heart is turned over within me for you. All my compassions are kindled for you. 
listen to him speak like that. That's more like a lover. That is the most tender comments. And this is God speaking about you. If you want to know that he cares about you, a personal God who cares about you, here it is. And not only that, but if you're here today and you're not sure that there's a personal God who cares for you, I guarantee you he is there and he longs to do that for you. If you're unsure about your relationship with him, if you're unsure that he really is that way, all I got to say to you is you'll never know if you stay in that chair and wait and see it happen in other people's lives. You've got to get up out of that chair, place your faith in him and say, prove me wrong. Prove this wrong. You show yourself to be caring. You show yourself to be true. You show yourself to be satisfying. Taste and see. That's what the verse means. You'll never know what those tasty things back there on that table taste like until you walk back there, pick one up and put it in your mouth. You'll never know if Jesus is true if you never trust him. And if you've never done that today, well, just enjoy my speech because that's all it is for you. You have to trust him for yourself. You have to taste. You have to see yourself whether he's true. This passage right here is meaningless to you. Right now, you just hear me go on and on and on because unless you're going to step into a relationship with him and see that he's true, there's no comfort coming your way. Because this passage is speaking to people who are in relationship with him. So if you've never placed your faith in Christ as your personal savior, then just enjoy my talk. But I plead with you to trust him. Step into a relationship with him and find the comfort that he is speaking about. This passage goes on. It runs through here. It talks about him being a deliverer and a king. It talks about him being a rewarder. It talks about him being a shepherd. It talks about his power is limitless. limitless. It talks about his, his wisdom is unsearchable. His authority is absolute, absolute. He is infinite. All those things are in this passage. All those things are here. All those things are stuff that it says, he's done this. This is who he is. If you need comfort, hope in that. Hope in that. Hope in In that. Verse 29 says, He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Youths, they grow weary, they grow tired. Vigorous young men, they will eventually stumble. But those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. In this passage, those who wait, it's a continual thing that they're speaking about. It's not something you do one time and then you're done. It's not like a vaccination. It's something that we have to do daily, even momentarily at times. Wait. If this is true, this is true, this is true. Let me keep my focus right here. I've got to keep my focus right here. My focus right here. My focus right here, because my focus has to be, behold, my God. Who is like him? Is being in control like him? No. Is my own comfort like him? No. You fill in the blank, whatever it is that you would have said a moment ago. If you would fill in the blank with anything else but him, then your comfort is lacking. And verse 40, that chapter 40 doesn't apply to you. Behold your God. To whom will you liken him? 
Verse 26, lift up your eyes on high and see who has created the stars. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Verse 8, and those who wait on that God, whose hope is in that God, they will be transformed. They will be lifted up above all that life throws at them. And in that, they find comfort.